0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, hey, church. Um, Man, I I know this for so many of us is such a difficult time Um, and, and change is hard. Uh, but I, I do want to say that even when it looks like this, it's still good for us to be together. Uh, you, you know, I think that in the middle of this very challenging, unique season uh, where we're not able to come together how we used to come together, man, it, it, it just matters when we get these moments. Like, we, we need to fight to be able to connect with one another, you know. Last week, I said that the, this season of isolation it was an invitation into deeper connection, and I just think that in these days, more than ever, these moments where we can share them together, when we can when we can link up, our life groups more important than ever because we're we are right smack dab in something that no one knows how it's going to end. No one really knows. What's going to be happening next? But man, the people of God, being the people of God, it's good to be together, amen? Like, it's good when we come together and worship. It's good when we lean in, even to these new ways of connecting. It's good that we do it because the church is stronger when we're together. Uh, And and, you know, today is a little bit unique because right in the middle of this global pandemic, it's Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday is a very special day in the life of the church. and, And Palm Sunday marks the start of what is called Holy Week. And Holy Week starts on Palm Sunday and ends on Easter Sunday. And, and I just want to say Easter's next week. I know all of our days are running together. Has anybody else felt that? Like I'm having to look like is it Monday? Is it Friday? Like everything is it's just becoming like one big long day. So so mark your calendars. Next week is Easter. It's gonna be amazing. Now let's state the obvious. This was not the plan. Okay? <laughs> Like that we, when we were dreaming in to like what we were believing to happen at Easter, what Easter was going to be, and all the cool stuff we were going to do, we, we had no idea that Easter was going to look this way. Like I'm just going to say it, there will probably never be another Easter like this Easter. This is a once-in-a-lifetime Easter experience, but I just want to say that in the middle of this crisis, it's a good thing that we're looking at Jesus. And, and you know that the third thing, like the number three thing on Google's list of the things that are most searched right now is prayer. Wow. And, and, and I wanna encourage you that even though we're not gonna be gathering together the way that we normally do on an Easter, to still invite your friends, Share the link with them. And here's what's cool. It doesn't matter where they live, in the country, in the world. This is an opportunity. There's nothing like a crisis that reveals our need for a Savior. People are asking the question, what does this mean? Where does our help come from? Who has the solution? We do. And so, look, even though Easter is going to look super different than anything we ever would have dreamed, we're still believing that although this wasn't our plan, that God has a plan. And, And that God's plan in the midst of what we don't understand is going to advance his kingdom right smack dab in the middle of this crisis. I'm believing that we see Hundreds of people make decisions to follow Jesus. We're in a window right now, but this window will close. And people are asking questions that they might not normally ask. People are fearful in ways that they might not normally be fearful. And God wants to meet them in this unique. Time and we're saying, look, Easter is going to be there. We're going to share the gospel. It's going to be all about Jesus and what He's done for us. If you know anybody who doesn't know Him or they've stepped away from church, share the link with them. The the goal for us to invite people into what God has done historically on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. We're saying, God, keep doing it. Even though we can't gather together in one of our campuses, we can gather together right where one house with many Zooms, right? Like we we can gather together in living rooms. and, And I'm excited that even though we're in a season of unique brokenness, that we have the opportunity to speak not just to our city, but to the nation in an unprecedented way on a day where the world stops and acknowledges that something happened. Not everybody knows what happened. They don't know the significance of what happened, but but there's an acknowledgement. Something happened on this day, and so we're all going to celebrate, and I'm believing that the plan of God is beyond what we can ask or imagine. But today, we find ourselves at the beginning of the week of remembrance, This moment is known as the triumphal entry. And it's when Jesus in all of his glory rides into the city of Jerusalem to die on a cross for my sin, for your sin, for all of our sins. And he came in a way that no one saw coming. But at the same time when he came, no one can look away. And it says this in John 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. What I, what I want to talk to us today about is the shifting that happens when Jesus comes, There's a shift that happens when Jesus enters into a city. I don't know exactly who I'm talking to right now, but there might be a few of us that need to know that he's coming. There might be a few of us that need to know that when he walks in, everything begins to change. When, when he walks in, everything begins to shift. And I think that in the middle of what we're in the middle of right now, remembering the shift that happens in his presence will be a weapon for us against the faith-sucking, emotionally-draining reality of hopelessness. You know, there, there was a shift in the Griffin house this week. Last week, I talked about how this COVID-19 crisis uh, had made a lot of us, if not all of us, feel a little bit powerless. And and, and this week, there was a shift in the Griffin House that took my sense of powerlessness and transformed it into hopelessness. And, And that shift was homeschool got real. And what I mean is that now homeschool counts. Last week, it was like practice homeschool. This week, it's like there's assignments and grades and classes. And, and look, I just want to say, like, pray for us. I, I, I hope that you did better than me. Because at the end of Monday, I was hoping and praying that it was Friday. Right, Like it was it, it was pandemonium. It was chaos, right? Hundreds of emails from teachers and districts and governments and policies, like logins and, and places to go and kids asking questions that I didn't have the answer to and, and everyone talking at the same time. Like it was loud. It was chaotic. Look, I had a moment with my son, Kevin. He came up behind me and he scared me. He was like, ah! and, and I, I freaked, right? Because I, I was at that point, right, I don't know if you hit those points, where it's just like any little, just little nudge, le- it's just kind of, you go from, you, you, you're at level 10, but you're acting like you're at level two, but you know, and then something happens and you're like, oh, yo, now I'm just acting like I'm at level 10. And so when Kevin scared me, yeah, like, I mean, I freaked out and look, we scare each other. That's what we do at our house. All right, like we play pranks on each other. Like the, April Fool's was pandemonium at our house with everybody trying to prank each other. And it's fun and we have a great time with it. And, and let me be honest with you, I started it all, okay? Like, I I scare the kids. Like, I, I hide in the back of my truck and wait for them to get home from school and throw firecrackers at them, okay? Like, I do it. And so Kevin scares me, and I turn around and I'm like, Kevin, buddy, you are driving dad bananas. You're so loud. It's been crazy all day. And Kevin like looks at me like kind of confused. And he's like, but dad, this is what you do. And I was like, oh man, I have created the chaos that I'm living in, right? Like I, I, I started this chaotic reality that we're living in. But the thing is, is that the, the, the pressure, of the hundreds of emails coming at you at a million miles an hour, the, the fact that your, your kid's education, the fate of their learning is in your hands, somebody pray. And, and, and I started feeling very, very hopeless. And have you noticed how loud life is right now? Like, I, I, I'm not just talking about the noise of kids at home. You could live alone and you can hear how loud life is right now. The the predictions of what might be coming is loud. Everyone's thoughts on what's going to happen is loud. The, The numbers of those already affected and the impact on their families is loud. Some of you woke up this morning unemployed. You got notice this week that you're going to be put on unpaid leave. And the volume of trying to figure out d- just how to survive is loud. The, the overwhelming reality of seeing pop-up hospitals and, and this shelter-in-place Reality that we're all under being expanded, not shortened. Looking at the graphs of things growing and not getting better. Can I just say life is loud right now. Life is loud. There's so much swirling around us that it starts getting hard to hear anything but the voices that are shouting at us. And I think one of the unique things about what's happening right now is that no matter where you live in the world, we are all affected by this. We're, we're all hearing the same noise. It doesn't matter if you live here or if you live someplace a thousand miles away from here, 50,000 miles away from here. We're all going through the same thing, hearing the same noise noise and i think if we just want to break down some of what feels loud right now one of the loudest voices that we're all hearing it's loss it's it's loss i mean let's be real we have all lost something in the middle of this some of us have lost more but we've all lost something, there's not a person on the planet that has not experienced a loss of some kind because of this crisis. It might be as simple as you've lost the ability to hang out with your friends. If you're single right now, loneliness can be very, very real. Some of you lost the ability to graduate you're not going to have graduation like you thought you were going to have graduation. Some of you lost sports. Some of you seniors lost your ability to play your final game. Some of you lost jobs. They're gone. And all the way to some of us losing loved ones, people that we care about, that are now gone. And can I just say, loss is loud. Loss is loud. There's a great book that's called Leadership Pain, and Leadership Pain puts it this way. Change equals loss, and loss equals pain. Change equals loss, and loss Equals pain. So, so no matter what has changed for you, no, no matter what you have lost, we're all hurting because of it. And Palm Sunday throughout history is a day we remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem on his way to the cross. And his coming shifted the volume of what was happening in the city. When Jesus stepped into Jerusalem, it shifted the volume of what was happening in the city. When Jesus comes and invades where we are, there's a shift in what we hear. Can I say that again? When Jesus comes and invades where we are, there is a shift in what we hear. And when Jesus came into Jerusalem on this day, look, it didn't matter what was happening in the city. It didn't matter what had been planned. It didn't matter what the people were feeling. It didn't matter what the people were fearing. It didn't matter what the people were needing. It didn't matter how loud life was. His coming shifted what was happening. It says that people stopped. He came, they stopped. Stopped And they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus invades our world, it disrupts the volume of our world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're, we're, when Jesus invades our world, it disrupts the volume of our world. It disrupts the volume of our fear. It disrupts the volume of our pain with the sound of heaven. To quote the words of a fantastic worship song, when he walks into the room, everything changes. When he walks into the room, everything changes. Oh, we need him to walk into some rooms today. We need him to walk into some, some hospitals today. We need him to walk into some unemployment offices today. We need him to disrupt the volume of the world with the sound of heaven. You know, there's a moment that was captured in Jesus' life in Luke 7, And we actually, in this story, find Jesus entering another city. It says this in verse 12, that as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. As Jesus is entering the city, he interrupted a funeral procession. All funerals are tough. I've never been to a funeral that was easy. All funerals are hard, but not all funerals are equal. When you go to a funeral of someone who who has lived a full life in God, a funeral can feel like loss, but it also can feel like a celebration. But if you go to a funeral of a young person whose life was cut short, it's a different, there's a different spirit about it. It's a different environment when a mother is burying a son. You know, I I had a friend, a close family friend, where his youngest son tragically passed away. And I'll never forget what he told me at the funeral. He looked at me and he said, J.D., fathers are not supposed to bury their children. You know, funerals are always tough, but not all funerals are equal. And understand, this was a funeral of a young man. That this was a life that was cut short. This this was a life that had not yet been fully lived. And Jesus interrupts this funeral and he sees the mother. Says this that when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, Don't cry. Understand the pain and the burden of burying your own son would have been enough, but this was not just a woman. This was a widow. She had already buried her husband. This was her only son. She was older. The chances of her getting remarried, gone. The ability for her to make a future for herself, to make money, to make a life for herself, gone. She, she was hopeless. And so she was not just burying her son. She was burying her future. She, she, she was at the end of herself. There was, there was nothing that she could do. And Jesus looks at her and he speaks to her pain. Isn't it amazing how Jesus speaks to our pain sometimes before he heals it? He says, look, he says, don't cry. Don't, don't, don't cry. This to me is reminiscent of another story that we find in the Gospels when Jesus is in a boat with his disciples and this storm just blows out of nowhere. And they are fearful and Jesus is sleeping in the boat and his disciples come to Jesus and they wake him up and they say, Jesus, do you not even care if we drown? And I love what Jesus does because Jesus calms the storm. How many of you are thankful that Jesus will speak into the storm and there will be a peace that surpasses all understanding that comes over us and floods us and it shifts what we see and what we hear around us? Jesus speaks to the storm and he says, peace to the storm. And then he looks at his disciples and he says, why were you afraid? It's kind of a funny question. It's almost as, maybe equally as funny as looking at a mother who is burying her son who is a widow who has no hope and no future and saying, don't cry. You see, because Jesus speaks to our pain. And in trouble... Jesus speaks to the fact that he's with us. There's there's something in understanding that he's with us before we even see sometimes what he's going to do for us. And Jesus wanted this woman to say, look, what you are feeling is about to change because I'm here. Just like he wanted his disciples to know that what you were fearing, you don't have to fear anymore because I'm here. Jesus was saying, "When I walk into the room, everything changes. When I come into the city, everything changes. It's impossible for things to not be different when I'm around." Verse 14. It says that then he went up and he touched the beer. And, and I'm not talking about a cold, pale ale. <laughs> that, that is the word that was used to describe these framed mats that would carry dead bodies. And Jesus reaches out and he touches the beer and it says that the bearers stood still. It's hard for us to kind of imagine this moment because our culture is not their culture. In their culture, you don't touch a dead body. Because if you touch what is unclean, then yourself becomes unclean unless you're the one that makes all things clean. So Jesus touches the bear. And everyone freezes and freaks out like, what are you doing, dude? What is happening here? And then he spoke, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sits up and begins to talk. You want to talk about freaky, okay? You, would have, you want to talk, I mean, I would, what did he say? I'm hungry. That's what I want to know. I want the special features of this verse. It just says that he sat up and he started talking. What did he say? Like, wow, that was weird. I saw a light. Like, what did he say? And then it says this. Jesus gave him back to his mother. In God, restoration always follows devastation. In God, Restoration always follows devastation. In Joel 2, after the people of Israel found themselves in a devastating plague, it was greater and more horrific than anything that they had experienced up to that time. It was a plague of locusts and these locusts destroyed their economy. See if any of this sounds familiar. The locusts destroyed their economy. It destroyed their ability to get food. It it, it made everything that they did harder. Just to live was difficult in the middle of this plague. And in the face of this devastating season that seemed like it would never end, God declared to his people in Joel 2 verse 25, I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. God did not say, I'm going to stop the plague. God said, not only am I going to stop it, I'm going to repay you. For everything that was stolen from you in the middle of this devastating crisis, I'm going to repay you for everything the locust that everything the locusts have eaten, I'm going to give back to you because restoration always follows devastation. It might look different. The timing might not be your first choice. But the promise is that even in the wake of devastation, there's a hope in the coming restoration. Right when the shouts of all that is lost are the loudest. Right when the voices of all that's been destroyed are the loudest. When Jesus steps into the room, all the pain, all the loss, all the fear, it's disrupted. It's interrupted by the sounds of heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus gave him back. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Look, I don't know what you've lost in these days. But I hear a sound. I I hear a sound and it sounds like hope. And it sounds like faith. And it sounds like restoration. Yeah, I I hear a sound. It, It might sound distant to you, but I can hear it. All that was lost all that was stolen, all the enemy did for evil, all the bad choices, all that we have screwed up, the places where we did wrong, all of it, God is turning it around. He's turning it around. Watch this. When the boy sat up and began to speak, it says in verse 16 that they were all everybody that was there it didn't matter how they grew up what they believed when they grew up it says that when the boy sat up and he spoke that they were all filled with awe and praised God a great prophet has appeared among us they said And God has come to help his people. Look, I love how the message translation captures this moment. It says that they all realized that they were in a place of holy mystery. And that God was at work among them. And they were quietly worshipful and noisily grateful. Calling out among themselves, God is back. Oh, I love that sentence. God is back. And listen, looking to the needs of his people. Look, right now, society as a whole is walking around in so much fear and so much panic that you can literally feel it. Like you can feel it. You go to the grocery store, you can feel the fear. You, you can feel the hopelessness. You can, you can feel the pain of what people have lost in the air. It's tangible. You can almost taste it. You could see it on people's faces. And the power for us is that for those of us who know Jesus, even though we're going through the same storm, even though we are feeling the same loss, even though we're fighting the same fears we don't have to listen to the same sound we don't we don't have to listen to the same noise because we can hear the sound of heaven disrupting the sounds of all the shouting here on earth because heaven is where our help comes from and let me encourage you on the days where you feel like you just can't keep your head above water You're trying to juggle how in the world for us who have kids, am I supposed to homeschool and do my job and the Internet doesn't want to work? I mean, what's up with that? I know that that's like a first world problem, but good Lord. And then God wanted to test me by making it rain. There's like no, no escape. You feel like you can't keep your head Above water, listen to the truth of Psalm 121. Let me read it over you. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and of earth, and He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, Loss is loud, but heaven is louder. Could I say that again? Loss is loud, but heaven is louder. And we, in the middle of this storm, don't have to let fear shake us. We don't have to let anxiety steal from us. We don't have to let uncertainty try to kill us. We can hold to the hope that Jesus is with us. And and, and when we lean in to the fact that because he's with us, what we used to be fearful of, we don't have to fear. The, the, The mourning that we were experiencing in his presence gets transformed into dancing. When we're with him and we realize that we're with him, then they all they all will realize that we're in a place of holy mystery. The hope that comes in restoration is not just for us. It affects and impacts everything around us. You know, and if you're watching this today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that you can know him. We've been talking about the truth that when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. And that truth is for you as well. When Jesus comes into you, everything changes in you. I know that there are many of you right now that are tuning in with us from all over the world. And you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you've been trying to make life work, you've been giving it your best shot, and it's led you exactly where it led all of us. And that's the bottom. And the hope for you is the same hope that I found in Romans 5, verse 8. And it says this that God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were sinners Christ died for us it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter what you've done all of us have fallen short of God's plan for us and what Jesus did was he closed the gap of our sinfulness and God's righteousness and so by just simply confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. The Bible says that we'll be saved. That we'll be saved. We'll not just be saved from the the pain and the fear of living here on earth. No, we'll be saved from an eternity separated from God. So, before we leave, if you want to make that decision and surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Just right in your living room, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, wash me clean, make me new, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and set my life upon a path of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want you to take a minute and click that respond button that's on your screen because we love you, we believe in you, and we cannot wait to see what God has for you.